welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I am convinced. I love the songs that you selected because I'm convinced the more that we lift up the name of Jesus, the more things uh, move in a powerful way. I'm going to try and make this work with this mic. I think I can make this thing work. Yeah, I'm going to take it because I can. Right? Even though you've got a Braves hat on. All right, so uh, here's the deal. Since I'm convinced, the more we lift up Jesus, the more things change. So here's what's going to happen in your life. The more you can continue to lift up the Lord, regardless of anything that's going on in your life, if you'll just lift up Jesus, if you'll live for him, regardless of what happens, I'm going to tell you something changes. Now, what happens is it begins to change in you first. And then it begins to change in the people around you because they see a change in you. And then it begins to affect a whole circumstantial change because there's a consistency of you holding on to the Lord, of us holding on to the Lord, regardless of what's going on. So I want to just kind of look at some scripture today to hold up and lift up Jesus. I've watched this. I've been trying to study this over and over and over. I had no idea that when I got my undergraduate degree in college, I, I told y'all, um, you know, I, I really didn't know what to do. I, when I showed up uh, at the school that I graduated from, I was standing in line back in the day, you know, before they had all computers online stuff. Don't judge me. But, uh, you know, we'd stand there and we would stand in line to register. There's some people in the room that are my age and older, Kevin, and you understand that. And so, uh, you know, we had to wait. And so this professor walks up to me and he knew my brother because my brother was a, uh, a lawyer. And so he knew my brother. He said, ah, oh, you're John Davis. I said, yeah. And I'm thinking, this is cranky. You know, he, this guy knows who I am. You know, this is really good. If you've got a professor who knows you, maybe, you know, you can make a good grade and you don't have to work. Right? On the second row? All right, so anyway, and, and so I'm thinking about this, that, you know, I don't even have to work. It's like, okay, you're with me. Uh, you're going in political science. I don't even know what political science is. I still don't even know what it means. Somebody's scientific in politics. I have no idea what it means. But anyway, so I, I become a political science major uh, knowing that I don't even know what that stuff means. So I take this guy's class. I'll never forget it. I take this class. I'm like, this is great. He knows who I am. He knows my brother. My brother made all these great grades. And I, so I took his class. Right? Because he said I'm a political science major. I didn't know. He's smarter than me, right? So I just said I'm a political science major. This is great. I didn't have to pray about it. I didn't have to think about it. He just told me what to do. I like when people tell me what to do when I don't know what to do. So I go into the classroom and I make a D. D equals diploma, right? I'm happy. You know, back in the day when you get F's and you actually got a card, you could like make the F's into a B, you could change. Never mind. Alright, so and you could actually loop it if there was a teacher. Never mind. And and so what happened was obviously I was terrible at it, so I can't get a I can't go on political science because I mean I was sitting there reading stuff like I'm not reading this stuff. I don't I'll just show up and take the test and see what happens. I'll just roll the dice. You know, and Roll the dice. So some of you roll the dice. And, 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 right? and so what happened was I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I ended up getting this uh, degree in communications because I told you I, I walked into my wife's advisor. I was hanging out with my wife. We were dating at the time. And I walked in. She said, I, I could have seen my advisor. I go to her advisor. And her advisor looks at me and says, well, what's your major? I said, I don't know. The quickest way out of here. He says, hold on. He pulls up my, all my classes and says, oh, you're a communications major. I said, yep, I'm a communications major. And so that's how that happened. So I knew, little did I know that God was going to use communications and I was going to be speaking. Like I had no idea. Like I would, listen, you can say what you want. Oh, that's nice. You can say what you want, but I, I thought, you know, preachers are weird. Have you seen their hair? They had the best comb-overs of anybody I've ever seen in my life. Jealous? Yes, I'm jealous. 
Thank you very much for mocking my cold side. Um, so, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking there's no way, but here's what happens. When you, when, you, when you look at this, God has a plan in everything. And if you could just hold on to that, even I look back at my life and I see the plan that God had. He has his plan. So I, I look at this, and I, if I would just would have been, you know, in college, all this other stuff, if I would just would have put God first, things would have, things would have been different. But the good news is that God gives back the years to look soul. And then he would deem anything. So uh, I, I really want to say something to the over 40 crowd in here. Uh, few that you might be. I'm just kidding. But uh, does anybody over 40 know what Bay means? You heard me. Now don't lock this. People that are under 40, you are not allowed to speak. Children are to be seen, not heard. No, I'm kidding. All right, so <laughs> only the older people got that. No. Um, what does what does Bay mean? B A E. Right, <laughs> Brad. Thank you very much. You know that you're connected on Facebook. <laughs> and this is not working out right here. This mic right here. It's not working. Let's see what was wrapped around. Yeah, they. So before anything else, or before anyone else. And so what happens is, if you've noticed this, like you're my bae. You're my bae. I see this on Facebook. You're my bae. You're my bae. My wife never tells me that, but I'm, I'm hoping someone will say that. You're my bae. You're my bae. So I, I saw this and I said, well, that's nice. You know, like when I first saw it, I thought, oh, you meant you're my baby, right? And I thought they misspelled it. <laughs> no, I'm serious. My, my daughter's boyfriend put that on there, and he says, you're my baby. And I'm, I'm looking at this, it pops up on my, my feet, and I'm going, baby? Like, is this, what's a baby? And I put in, you mean baby? Like, what? And he's Some of you right now got a couple babies, but you know, whoever your baby is, right? And don't judge me. You know I'm talking to you. You, you know, you've got these babies, they have authority in your life. Right? And when they speak, it's like, oh, you talk to me. And I listen. You know, it's this moment, it's like it's, it's like God, the Holy Spirit, and your baby. Okay, maybe it's God and your baby and the Holy Spirit. I don't know, but Right, they have authority in your life. And so I was sitting there thinking, if I just give Jesus authority in my life, that's why we're singing these songs, nothing but about Jesus. I want you to do nothing but in your life, just lift up Jesus. I'm telling you, he will not change your circumstance at first. You can forget that. That's probably going to go out the window. But he will change you. And he will change me. And then people will go, that's strange. They don't change even though everything around them is really jacked up. And then all of a sudden, two or three people come with you. Four or five people come with you. Six or seven. Read about King David's army. And you got all the people that owe tax money. All the people that were kind of broken. All the people that were kind of wild and crazy. Us. And so what happens? What do you do? He ends up changing the whole country with a bunch of people that were rejected. Because he stayed consistent with the heart of the Father. And so, 
I want to attack one of the biggest lies today. I bought some people that I work with here. I bought them a book by Stephen Furtick. Um, and I, I thought it was pretty interesting. It's called Crash the Chatterbox. If you want to read it, some of you probably already read it. It's a really good book. I would recommend it. But it's called Crash the Chatterbox. What's in your head? But here's what, one thing that there was a little phrase in there. That just stuck with me. And I, and I want to attack this something today. A lot of people in this room and a lot of people outside this room that try to follow Jesus Christ think this. They think that we are useless to God. Just to know, listen, you don't have to, you don't have to buy what I'm selling yet. But you think that we're useless to God. You want to know why? Because the moment you sin, the moment you sin and the Holy Spirit convicts you, then all of a sudden there's this argument in your head that if you really were right with God, you wouldn't act like this. And now that you've jacked up the circumstance, the best thing you can do is leave the circumstance and start over. I don't ever see Jesus leaving circumstances or leaving people when they were messed up. I never saw him leave Peter. I never saw him leave the disciples when they came back. I never saw, you know, and they couldn't even cast out demons. And Jesus was like, man, where's your faith in this? I never saw him leave somebody. And I want to attack the lie today in our head. The chatterbox in our head says, we are useless to God. I want to attack it today with everything I've got. Because the big question is, how can someone overcome the dialogue that repeatedly reminds them that he or she is useless to God. That's what I want to attack today in the Word of God. That's what I want to see what God says. Because see, if, uh, here's what, what I said. John, if you loved God, you wouldn't have done that. You, you wouldn't have said that. You wouldn't have acted like that. You wouldn't have thought that. You, you don't feel like it. You don't see it. Or I just don't hear anything. Or I'm just known to, to the corporate worship or in my, when I'm reading scripture by myself. And so then I feel like I'm useless to God. And I want to attack that lie. I want to attack the lie that maybe you've heard before. Or maybe somebody else that you know. Or someone around you. Or someone in your family at your work that thinks they are useless to God. Just because something happens. Or a sin in their life. Or some inadequacy in their life. And they feel like they are useless to God. I don't want you to buy into that lie. That the moment you sin, God says he's moved on. I want to, I want to argue the opposite fact. That the moment you sin, that God's grace is greater. That the moment that we are weak, that God's power is stronger. And the moment that I feel like I have nothing, I remember God's word as it echoes through the Holy Spirit in my soul. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. If you can use King David, you can use me. If you can use Moses, a murderer, you can use me. And the list goes on and on and on in scripture of people who are outcasts, who are outsiders. You can use Ruth. You can use people that were on the fringes. You can use Esther that was adopted by her uncle. That the only thing that she had was beauty, but she didn't really have a lot of guts. Not until she was pressed by her relative. But something has happened in my walk with God. And Furtick said, everything changed when I began to realize God has given us the ability to choose the dialogue we believe and respond to. So, for the older people in the room, I confess my sin to you. I went to a concert when I was younger. 
And the name of the group that opened up for the other group was called Quiet Riot. <laughs> Sinner. Um, and so I want to quiet the riot in my mind. The ones that you're hearing, the moment that you have listened, you know you have a breakdown, you feel useless, God. I want you to quiet the riot. Quiet the riot in your mind because we're having these conversations. You look at your life and you say, oh, mess up, jacked up, did this wrong, did this, did this right, could have done this. If I would have done that, I would have been here. If I would have done that, I would have been there. Listen, we can all say what we want to say. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. That was good. You can tweet it. But Facebook. But here's what I want to look to. First Corinthians chapter one. This is, by the way, it's all online, and everything is on uh, Facebook. It's on uh, summitcharleston.com. I don't know. Where, you know, Ricky's up here recording this, so it'll probably be on something special. Who knows? First uh, Corinthians chapter one, and it's just become so precious to me. That is why we have got to invest in the people because we are better than what we know. And that's, again, this is not some. Uh, lesson about it. This is the greatness of Jesus. And because of Jesus and what he's done, we can do something. First Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verse 2. Check this out. This is what the word of God says about us. And John is talking to the church of Corinth. Well, God's word is timeless and, and never returns void. So, you know, it's not contextualized in that. It's eternal. Verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth, or we could just go ahead and put it this way because Corinth was just like Charleston. To the church of God in Charleston. I, I don't think that that's taking God's word too far. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Hello? And called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who, are, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now then it starts, now that's enough to get me going, okay? I'm doing a Holy Spirit lap, but I might get a little crazy right now. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Now check this out, saints. This is what God says about us, verse 5. For in him... For in Jesus is what he's saying here. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, only Jesus, we're just saying. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. Can somebody say amen to that? That's the promises we have in Jesus. God was confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. I'll read it again because maybe we don't hear it. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. Our Lord, Father, I don't have any words to say that are worth a hill of beans, but you have everything to say that can move mountains because you are mighty to save. So God, will you do something in our lives today? Will you quiet the riot in our heads and know that what God says that we are, that is who we are. It is not the chatterbox in our head. It's not what others say. It's not our failures. It's not our fortunes. It's not the good things or the bad things. It is nothing at the very end. And
and at the beginning and all around us for eternity is nothing but Jesus Christ. It is in him we live and move and have our being. He is the greatest. He is worth it all. He's the best treasure. There's no game. There's no athletic event. There's no grade. There's no love that can compare to the beauty and matchless wonder and loving grace of Jesus Christ. He is magnificent and he's better than we could ever imagine. And he has called us and he has redeemed us and he has saved us and he lives in us via the Holy Spirit. And now you are asking us to do something about it. May we listen to you and you alone. We have a choice which voice we want to hear. It may be you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. The saints said, what? Amen. Here's what I want you to say. And here's what I want you to grab the whole world. Because, because of Jesus, God says I am. I mean, further says this, God says I am. I, I want to take it a little further. Because of Jesus, God says I am. Well, what does God say that I am? What does God say that who we are? What does he say? Let's look at this. But I want you to get this point number one. If you want to take points, you want to write something down. If you want some, you know, little saying or pithy saying or whatever else. Because of Jesus, God says, I am sanctified. Because of Jesus, God says, we are sanctified. Look at verse two. To the church of God in Corinth. Now, he's talking to us today as well. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. So what does this word idea sanctified mean? It's positional in a sense. Sanctified in Christ Jesus. It means this. Let me give you a definition. It means to separate from profane things and dedicate to God. It means to separate from profane things and dedicate to God. Now, what does that look like? You sound like, well, John, it just means like they're kind of separated in some way. Yes, but it's a beautiful statement. Listen to this. There's two ways the separation happens within us. This is what Jesus Christ has done in us. This is who we are. God says that we are holy. God says that we are sanctified. And so when you and I sin or when you and I do something wrong, it does not change our position as children of God. So you've got to stop listening to the voice, and I have to stop listening to the voice that says, failures mean we can't. Listen, if my failures were bigger than Jesus, then the cross is pretty weak. If your failures are bigger than Jesus, then the cross is a joke. Because that means that only this few amount of people in this room can stop the salvation of anybody throughout all time, throughout the whole world that calls on the name of the Lord. You wrap your mind around that. How does this separate? How does this holiness happen? Happen? How does this sanctification? Well, let's look at it. Let's let's keep going. It happens in two, in, in two ways. I want to give you a continued definition of sanctification. Number one, it, it means to purify. Uh, sanctification means this. It means that we've been purified by expiation. Now that's a fancy word. Let me break it down for you. It means that we've been purified by punishment. That's what expiation means. It means punishment or the word of men. It means we are purified by punishment. Who was punished for us? Come on. Yes. Sanctification and holiness are the same words. It means, listen, it means this. It means we're holy because Jesus was punished. Like this ought to set you free in your life. This ought to make you want to do a Holy Spirit laugh. This is what it means. He was punished. He made amends for our sins. He made it right with God. We have been set free. So the moment the chatterbox goes off in your head and the moment says, look at me, I messed up again. Look at me, I just can't do it. I want to remind you something you couldn't do it to begin with. 
You forget about it. You can't do it. You can never do it. It is only Jesus who does it. He's only the good. I can't get up here and preach. I got nothing good to say. But the Spirit of God within me will do it. And he will take it. Stop listening to the voice you're not beautiful. Stop listening to the voice that God doesn't care. Stop listening to the voice that you're just not tall enough, big enough. Stop listening to the voice because you're listening. It's not that easy. It's like Marty said, and forgive me for this kind of robust illustration. It's not like you got an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other. And it's just real easy to turn around and flick the devil, a little demon on your shoulder and say, go to hell. And all you're left with is the angel and you got one voice. Like, it's not that easy. It doesn't work that way. Like, that's not necessarily, you can't just shut one of them up. But see, the difference is, is because we're home, we have a choice of which voice we're going to listen to. And see, our voice is always connected with our emotions, so it makes it seem profound. Ooh, somebody said, you're weak. Somebody said, you can't. Somebody says, look at your life. Where have you? you look where you used to be and look where you are now. And you're just not the same. And you just can never really get back. What? Is Jesus that weak? He can't get us back? Is the Holy Spirit not that strong? That his voice is not so great? And his movement and our will is not so mighty that we can't go back? No, it means this. We've been purified by punishment, Jesus' punishment. It means this in the Greek. We are free from the guilt of sin. We are free from the guilt of sin. And so every time we listen to that chatterbox, we begin to listen to the guilt. Guilty language. I, I want you to know, I want, I want to say this to everybody in this room. It's not the greatest of, a great mark of Jesus is not that you can walk from now and be sinless. The great mark of Jesus is that you can walk and overcome the failure that sin is bringing in your life to walk with Jesus. That's the mark of the greatness. It's not staying perfect, but it's overcoming your imperfectness. That to me, Revelation 1.5 says this, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Man, I, every time they start talking in this language, I just get so excited because that's the God. Listen, I want you to know in your staffings and in your home, you might be the only Christian, but there is a God you serve and walk with and are loved by, the God of the kings of the earth. So your boss is really not the boss. Oh, he thinks so. Well, John, you don't know how much money he's got in the bank. No, you're right. I don't know. But I know this. God can use anything that he would not be To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. That's what it means to be sanctified. That's what it means. God says we are sanctified. God says I am sanctified. And you need to begin to remind yourself this weekend in your prayer life and throughout the day you say I am sanctified. I am. God said, and you give a qualifier to it. God says I am sanctified. God says, my sins have been amended for. My sins have been punished for. I don't stand under punishment. I've been set under freedom. I've been set free to go and overcome the weakness that anything that comes around me. Remember, he says this, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. Hebrews 9, 14 to 15, talking about Jesus is a high priest. How much more then will the blood of Christ, 
who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. Remember, he was unblemished, stainless, spotless, perfect, because we're not. Cleanse our consciousness, or excuse me, our consciousness, from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance. Now, and this is the part I underline, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. We've been set free from our thoughts. From our thoughts, it can never happen. From our thoughts, this is not really going to work out. Really? I didn't know that you knew the future. One of my favorite passages, in fact, I've added it this morning. Uh, I was reading in my quiet time. It's Acts 13, 38 through 39. Acts 13. Let me turn there with my one hand. Acts 13, 38 through 39. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know, I was reading this in my quiet time this morning. I was, whew, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is what, saints? Justified. Yes, justified, set free from every sin. A justification, I love this, a justification you who were not able to obtain, excuse me, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. I love this. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. We have been set free. We have the promises of God over us. We have the hope. We have been sanctified. God says, I am sanctified. So part number one is, he's purified. Or sanctification means we've been purified by expiation or punishment or he's made an amendment. Uh, the second is this. Sanctification means it's to purify internally by renewing the soul. This is good stuff. I'm giving you the real definition of this in, 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 the, in the Greek language. It means to purify internally by the renewing of the soul. That means we are constantly being washed by the blood of Jesus. Or the word of God will put it this way. Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk with wine which leads to debauchery. Uh, it means unsaved acts. Debauchery means unsaved acts. But be filled with the spirit. That is a participle in the Greek. So it's a continual filling. It's a present possible, so it's, it's, it's continual feeling that God is going over. And that's what sanctification means. God, God says, I am a sanctifier. He's saying, God says, I am holy. Sanctified and holy is the same thing. Because he's continually renewing our soul. He's, how about this? This is a great example. How about this? Ephesians 5, 25-27 says this. And the Lord kind of opened my eyes to this as I was studying. Husbands. All right. So any man in here, if you're married or if you're uh, single, you're, you're, I, I, I can go ahead and say this. There's probably not one man in here that has the gift of celibacy. I'll go ahead and call it. I'll just, I'll just go ahead and call it. You want to roll the dice on that? I'll call it. If you want to make a bet with me, we'll work it out. All right. And then we'll just give all the money to Jesus that I win. So don't worry about it. It's not like I'm going to go frolic in Las Vegas. I might. All right. So if I am, just talk to it. All right. Hus uh, husbands, uh, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Just as, and this is, he's going to tell you how you're going to love your wife. Well, you know, I'm, 
Yes, I know all the studies say that ladies, like we got the studies. We're, we're bombarded by the studies. If we have a six pack, you will be attracted to us. Oh, we got that. And then the second thing, it ain't happening in my household. And then the second thing, sorry. And then the second thing is, is, is that uh, you want security. Okay, we, we got that too. All right, fine. But we just believe Jesus can do what we can't do. All right, so anyway. All right, so husbands love your wives, and this is how you're going to take it to it. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, check this out, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. This is, listen, gentlemen in the room, this is what you do. This is how you continually wash, you continually purify the relationship you have with the lady. This is how you continue. You wash her in the word. Before you go out, why don't you read some word? But before you end the day, why don't you read some word? While you're on your knees at night and you get ready to pray with your wife, why don't you read some word with her? Why don't you wash her in the word? Because you see, what you're doing is you're constantly renewing and purifying the relationship. And the word of God does things that we can't do. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to cut through the joints and marrow. The word of God will wash situations like none before. I can spend five minutes in God's word and it will carry me for hours more than listening to anything else. I know some ladies in here saying, but John, I don't have a husband. So ain't nobody washing me. I mean, I'm, you know, this is all nice and you, you speak all this flowery language, but I'm by myself. Uh, she said word, and that's why I said that, just for the older people in the room. You, you know, I, I know what you're saying. You're saying, but John, I, I don't have a husband. Well, you know what? You know what I found about the word of God? Ooh, do you smell what the rock's cooking? You know what I, I found out? The Holy Spirit has always used the church to step in where someone else has not stepped up. I'll go ahead and say it. Like, for example, the, the taking care of the widows. What did, the, what, did the, what did the church do? The Holy Spirit, the Word of God, would step into people's lives and they would wash the feet when nobody else could wash the feet of the widows. Or what about the orphans? Or what about the people that are broken? The church would move. The church would always move like you went to Ethiopia and Peru and locally and everywhere, everywhere we go, even when our job's here. We're always washing the feet of people who can't cleanse themselves. And we wash them because of movement of the word of God. The church has always stepped in where other people hadn't stepped up. So why don't you let the, the church, why don't you just get connected real tight with some people that really love the Lord and let the word of God begin to wash you. And let him step in and be your husband until he brings somebody. Oh, I, I know what you're saying. Well, I don't need nobody else to help me. Because I can take care of my own self. Listen, I didn't call you a charity case. I called you a princess. So why don't you just step up and wait for your prince? That was really good. And then I, I, I got a, oh snap. Well, this is just my example of that. I don't even know how to go from there. John 13, 8 through 10. 
Jesus is, is washing their feet, you know, the night that uh, he was betrayed and he's going to uh, be arrested. And this is what happened. He says, Peter, I need, I need, to, I need to wash this. You know, I need, I need to do this. And Peter's like, verse 8, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well is up to save my whole body, right? Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you are talking about Judas. So here's what he's saying is this. He's saying that what the word does is it washes off the dirtiness that the world we kind of bring in with our thoughts and our lives and, and all the stuff that's happened. Well, the word of God continually washes us. Not the salvation washing, but it washes and renews us so it keeps us right with God. It continually purifies us. Is that making sense? See, in other words, this. I'll put it this way. Jesus cleanses us, so all we have to do is knock the dust off our feet. And that's what this does. See, you gotta understand what I mean by the dust off your feet. Genesis 3.14 says this. So the Lord said, excuse me, the Lord God said to the serpent. This is when God is cursing the serpent. This is what he said. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat what, saints? You will eat what? I didn't hear you. Yeah, you're gonna eat dust. All the days of your life. Now listen, when we die, what do we do? We return to what? The serpent will eat death. That's what he's saying in the passage. I hope you understand it. He will eat death. So the dust on your feet brings death. The dust on your feet brings death. The lies that people say, the sins that we have, it brings for the wages of sin. You see, so that's what the Word does. The Word knocks the dust off your feet. Everything that's bringing death to your life is bringing death to your relationship. It's bringing death to your job. It's bringing death to your family, to your friends, because you're the only one in your family to say And there's all this death all around you. But the Word of God is living and active, and it cleanses, it's continually purifying us. It's not letting the thoughts of death, it's not letting the words of death, it's not letting any of that stuff that reminds of death creep into us. Well, go back to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. Because of Jesus, point number one, God says we are what? Of five people. Okay, sanctified. God says we're what, saints? Sanctified. All right. Not French fry. Never mind. That was a joke. All right. Number two, and I'm going to close with this. God says, because of Jesus, God says that we are called. Now, this is where I get really excited, Okay. I'm trying to calm myself down. This mic is helping me. I feel like I'm chained. I think that's why they did it this morning. They chained me. Verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth, or to the church of God in Charleston, or to us. To those sanctified. God says that we are what saints? Sanctified. In Christ Jesus and what? God says we are called. Because of Jesus, we are called. Now, I want you to know what that means. I'm going to go through this fast, okay? Look at verse 4. I thank my God for you because, this is really good, because of his what, saints? Grace. So, listen, because we are called, we get grace. Because we are called, we get grace. We get grace. And what does that mean? 
It means this, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I, look, I know you don't like who you are. If you're an athlete in this room, I bet you want to be faster. I bet you want to be stronger. I bet you want a couple more inches. Uh, uh, if you're a lady in this room, maybe you would like uh, uh, some, some more clothes. Or maybe you want to look a certain way. I don't know what it is, but you're always analyzing. Every, every, every woman in here is analyzing another woman. I know who you are. Right? Men, if you're in this room, we're doing the same thing. Maybe we want more money, maybe we want more fame, maybe we want more security, whatever it is we want. But I just want to let you know, here's what you don't want to hear this morning, but the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell you, by the grace of God, you are what you are. John, I don't like the way God made me. I have one word for that, sorry. Sorry. You know the truth is, is if you got what you wanted, you wouldn't go with God. I'm going to tell you, go ahead and tell the truth. Shame the devil. Hallelujah. If you got what you wanted, you wouldn't go with God. If you were such, and listen, if you got everything you wanted, you would not be thinking about God right now. Oh, I know what you're saying. No, no, I would give glory to God. No, 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 no. You would give glory to God after you gave glory to yourself. Our lives would be so consumed with us that God would only get leftovers. Listen, by the grace of God, you are wrong. I'm sorry you're 6'1", and if you were 6'4", you'd be drafted. I'm, I'm sorry that, you know, you want to be 5'8", and God has you 5'5". Five, five. I'm sorry that you're 6'5", and you want to be 6'1". I don't know what it is. I'm sorry that you wanted to be smarter, or you wanted to be better, or you wanted to be... Listen, I'm sorry, but here's what happens. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And then he says this. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God was in me. You see, the less there is of us, the more there is of grace. And so God, to do what he has to do, it has to be more of him and less of us. And that's why there's so less of us when we look in the mirror. So here's what we need to do. We need to spend more time looking in the mirror of scripture and less time looking in the mirror of our lives. Because of Jesus, God says we're called. And what called means, number one, is we get grace. And number two, because we're called, let's keep looking there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Let's go to verse 5. For in him you have been enriched in every way. Because we are called, you and I have been enriched in every way. And what, what have we been enriched with? Enriched means fullness in, in, in the original language. It means wealth. It means an abundance. It means there's an overflow of whatever we need. And what have we been enriched in? This is awesome. With all kinds of speech. Some of you say you can't speak. You want to know why? Because sometimes we block the grace of God. Listen, we, we can speak in all kinds of speech. You know what that means? In any and every circumstance you're in, God can give you the very words to say that you're going to need to say it. Oh, I'm just not a speaker. Don't worry. God's going to be the one speaking. That's why it's not you speaking. That's why it's not me speaking. So we've been rich with all kinds of speech. How about this? And with all knowledge. Is this not great stuff God has given us? What does it mean by all knowledge? This doesn't mean that we're smarter. It means that we're more dependent upon Jesus to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you the knowledge in order to know what to do. Don't worry. He's going to give you the knowledge. We're going to corporately pray in a moment. You can ask him, God. And this is what, I mean, I want us to get real with the Lord. If you've got to take your Bible or your phone, well, I don't want you to stand on your phone. But if you've got a Bible and you need to put it down on the floor and stand on it, then do it. Stand on his word. 
You promised God, all your promises are fulfilled in Jesus. If there's no Jesus, there's no promises. But because Jesus is alive, you resurrected him from the dead, and he is real, then your promises are real, and you said you're going to give me all knowledge. You're going to give me all this kind of speech that I'm going to need to know what to say. I don't need to know to say to this person. This is coming up this week, Lord willing, with, with this job situation and what I need to do. Listen, that's what I do. I say, God, you promised, now do it. And I just walk into the situation going, I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know what I'm going to say, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You know how many times I've gotten up I'm here and God has said, change what I, what, what I want you to say? <laughs> do you know how scary that is? You're coming to God depending upon opinion for a word from God. If I mess up, I'm accountable for your soul. I don't want that. Oh, this is so good. And with all knowledge, verse 6, God does confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. Because we are called, we have every spiritual gift. Every spiritual gift. Now, I want to give you what that means in the original language. It's the idea of the gift of faith, the gift of knowledge. I mean, you know what all this is. It's even the gift of holiness. The, the word sanctified is, it carries that, of virtues. It means we've been pardoned. The gift of, uh, of salvation. Uh, it means these gifts that are the extraordinary powers, like the gift of leadership. I mean, we've got all these spiritual gifts that we try to pour into to you and let you know what God's done for you. But it doesn't mean this. Here's what I want to hold on to. And here's something I want you to hold on to. You do not like any spiritual gift. And here's what that encompasses in that big statement. And I want to read this out of the, the lexicon. The reception of which is due to the power of divine grace operating on the souls by the Holy Spirit. It means this. We can hear from God. You do not like any spiritual gift, which means you and I can hear from God. No longer is it what we say, but it is what God says. As Verdict would say, win the war of words inside your soul by defying your inner critic. What does God say about your next move? About the decision you've got to make? About what you're going to do next and what you're going to say? What does God say? Here's time to talk to the Lord. Father, uh, this is our prayer. As they come and just kind of play over us and Robbie singing over us and, and the worship team leads us into this holy moment. What are you saying to us, Lord? What are you saying? You said that we are sanctified. You said that we've been set apart for you. That you called us you have called us holy. And our sins, man, Lord, there are many, but they do not define us. They do not stop us because we are sanctified. There has been a punishment paid. And so we have been set free from the inner critic in our mind. And then, God, you called us. And many in this room are saying, Call me to what? Lord, right now, because of your grace, we have an opportunity to hear from you. So, Lord, I don't know who in here wants to pray 
and say, God, I really need to hear something from you. I need to hear this from you. I've, I've got this question or this concern or God, I really need this or I'm wondering about that. And God, the inner critic in my heart is me and, my, and I keep saying, I don't know if I can really do that or I don't know if I should do it. Really, I don't even want to do it and yet you're saying something. Whatever it might be.